Good morning. morning. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I don't know what else happened while I was gone, but yes, it's good to be back. Haley and I were in Idaho over Christmas. Um, It was a good time. I heard that it got pretty icy while we were gone, so um, sorry if you couldn't make it to the Christmas Eve service, but it is good to be back. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Jake. I am the Next Gen Director here at North Bay, and I get to speak today because Dan, um, his son got married yesterday, and so I believe they're still out of town, maybe making their way home today. Um, But I get to speak to you today, and I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to go ahead and start in prayer, um, and as I pray, let's just um, find the presence of the Lord this morning. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you for everybody who's here. God, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you have a word for us for this year, for 2023. I thank you, God, that you're active in our lives, that you're calling us into a a new season with you. And so, Lord, I just ask for your peace to be here this morning. Yeah, I submit my agenda, Lord, this morning. I want to speak your words and your truth. Yeah, I say yes to your presence, God. Yes to your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. So, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in. What I have this morning is a prophetic word for 2023. I am not going to kind of teach how I normally teach and kind of dig in the way that I normally do. Um, About two months ago, the Lord put something on my heart. Um, He just dropped it in my spirit, and um, I've taken it to some people that I trust and, and had them pray with me about it. I've talked to Dan about it. And um, I just think it's the Lord's timing that I get to release this to you today um, because I feel like he has something for CTK North Bay this year. And he is calling us into a year of intimacy. He's calling us into a year of intimacy. And in the last two months, what I've struggled with the most in preparing this and kind of like fleshing this word out is, is like, what is intimacy? Um, I've been struggling with that, rolling that over in my mind. I've um, asked some mentors, asked my family. I talk to Haley often. Um, I go to the Lord in prayer and just like, what is intimacy? And, and, and defining that has been really important for me because it's going to impact how we interact with God this year. Sound good? So let me tell a little story. <clears throat> Probably like 10, 11 years ago, Haley and I were still dating. And um, I went to one of her track meets. Now, you might not know this about Haley, because last time I spoke, I spent the whole time, you know, tooting my own horn about my wrestling career. But Haley ran track at Idaho State University, and she's a two-time Big Sky champion. She's legit. She's legit. Yeah, give her a hand. <clears throat> her specialty is the 400-meter hurdle. Um, and so one day I go to this track meet, and I was in my head, okay, I was a very good boyfriend that day. 
I created space for her family's over here, her team's over here. I create space. I don't bug her. I don't talk to her. I don't ruin her focus. I was extremely respectful. So, <clears throat> and she ran well. So you can imagine how surprised I was after the event to find out that she was upset with me. And um, I was so confused because I was like, Man, I thought I did everything right. I thought I dominated. Um, Haley didn't feel like we connected. I went, she competed and did her thing. I was there, I watched, I saw the friends, I met the friends, I learned the names, I saw the schools that were competing, I was trying to get times down, stats down. Like I was, I was learning a lot, right? I was being really respectful and being really honoring, but I missed an opportunity to be present. I missed an opportunity to like let her feel seen and to let her feel known in my pursuit to like get head knowledge and in my pursuit to be respectful. I missed an opportunity. Do you guys understand? <clears throat> See, our understanding of intimacy is going to impact how we engage with God, specifically this year. And I think that um, when I say intimacy, I think a lot of people, especially in conversations that I've had, it's either been, if I just say, what is intimacy? The response that I get back is, it's either sex or a sexual relationship. That's the response I get back. And if we view intimacy as that, and then I say we're going to have intimacy with God, no one's going to pursue intimacy with God, and probably rightly so, right? Okay? But if I ask the question, like, what is intimacy with God? The answer that I get a lot is, like, it's like closeness. It's like, it's like closeness. It's hard to define. People will say a lot of stuff, but at the end of all the rambling, it's like closeness. Okay? So... In the last few weeks, I've kind of um, got a working definition here. My opening question for you guys is, so what is intimacy? I need to define this before I spend the rest of my time talking about it. So if you Google it, you're going to get like a, a friendship or a closeness. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily, although it is an aspect. Here is my definition for you this morning. Intimacy is a daily or an intentional experience. When I say daily, okay, Haley challenged me on this the other day and made me think about this. I don't mean to like restrict to time, okay? What I mean by that is like a deliberate pursuit of consistent experience, okay? Like this intentional pursuit of consistent experience, this daily experience. So intimacy is a daily experience, a reciprocal relationship between two parties. It takes both. It takes both. And a trust that enables one to know and be known. It's closeness. <clears throat> so, again, if I would have went to Haley's track meet with the intention of making her feel known, having this intentional experience where, like, our hearts could be, like, exchanged in the experience and, like, a knowledge of her that went beyond just, like, I learned your stats and times today. Can you imagine what that would have birthed? Like, she would have left that track meet feeling so much different than, like, questioning 
why she felt separation between me. Why wouldn't you like sit near? Why wouldn't you come talk? Why, God, I don't know. I thought I was doing the right thing, you know? So it's like just understanding what intimacy is and like knowing that I can, it's more than sex or a sexual relationship. It's body, soul, spirit. It is connection with another human. It is connection with God. It's intimacy. It's good. So what if we start to seek this kind of intimacy with God? And I have this question. What if we knew him rather than just knew things about him? It's been affecting me a lot lately. I'm a teacher. When he speaks to me in the quiet place, like, I I just want to take that thing and run. And like, oh, I feel like I learned something new about God. I want to go and like, and like share it. But what if, what if we knew him in the secret place, not just things about him? Like, what if we knew his will because we've spent time with him? What if we knew what his presence felt like? And when we're out in our daily lives and like we see a situation where he's acting, it is so obvious because we are moved by his presence. Often in the scripture when Jesus like healed people, it says that he was moved with compassion. He didn't think like, what would Jesus do? He's moved with compassion. He knew the father's heart. Like what if we didn't have to run and be like, okay, like, let me find a verse that fits the situation, but we know, we know him. We spent time in his word. We spent time in his presence. Do you guys understand what I'm getting at? Okay. <clears throat> so, as I talk, there are things that I'm not going to be able to explain about intimacy, okay? What I have for us today is how to enter in and what I feel like it produces, but I don't know how to tell you how to have intimacy with God, Okay. So, understand, there is a tension between intimacy and mystery. We are talking about a God who is boundless, who is infinite. I don't know what he's like fully. I know the things that it tells me here, but I do not know what he's like fully. And so, I have a word for you this year of how to enter in. For every single person here, I feel like it's going to look different and it's gonna be incredible, it's gonna be amazing, but I can't define that for you. It's the same thing like you can't define to me, you can't tell me how to pursue love with my wife. You can't do it. You can tell me how to start, where to start, but I have to go and I have to love her and I have to extend my heart to her and then I have to receive as she extends her heart to me. We good? Okay. So, the way into intimacy. The Lord gave me this very specifically. I've been chewing on it for a while. Um, And it is the door to intimacy is through prayer and fasting. The door to intimacy is through prayer and fasting. And I need you to understand really quick. I am not saying that intimacy is prayer and fasting. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is a place that God wants to draw us into, an intimate relationship with him. And this year... If we will enter in through prayer and fasting, we're going to encounter him in that place. It's going to require prayer and fasting. Real prayer, real fasting. Okay? Um, 
So the passage that we're going to kind of camp out in today is in Luke 3.21, and it's going to go to 4.19, Luke 4.19. And the part of this that um, has really been jumping out that I want you guys to understand is it's the beginning, like we see the beginning of Jesus's ministry here in Luke 3, 21 through 23. So I'm going to read this, and then we'll get into it. So Luke 3, 21, yep. <clears throat> when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Verse 23 says this, And now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So, I'm not going to go into what happened in in the wilderness season, okay? Because I feel like there's a lot there that like we just don't know. It's the, the intimacy and the mystery part. We know that he went, he fasted for 40 days. Um, when he was done, he was hungry. The devil tempted him in that place. We understand how the devil tempted him, how he responded, okay? But what I want us to look at is what sandwiches the two ends, okay, of his time in the wilderness. So Jesus is baptized. Heaven opens when he prays. God speaks identity over him. He's filled with the Spirit, okay? And then in four one, chapter 4, verse 1, in chapter 4, verse 10, look at what it says here. Verse 1 says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then 14, after the wilderness, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. In the power. So when he goes in, he's led by the Spirit because he's full of it. He spends 40 days praying, fasting, intimacy with God, I don't know, but he's tempted by the devil there. When he comes out, he is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so good. It's so good. Here's my point. This is at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He's baptized and he prays. He's baptized and he prays. When he prays, heaven opens. Prayer is important this year. I feel like God wants to have an open heaven over North Bay. But it requires prayer. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins by praying. Heaven opens. The Spirit comes down upon him. It leads him into the wilderness. He fasts. When he gets done fasting, he comes out in the power of the Spirit. It produces something. This lifestyle of intimacy produces something. Jesus began his ministry praying and fasting, and it opened heaven, and it filled him with the Spirit, and it empowered him with the Spirit. <clears throat> Does that make sense? <clears throat> After Jesus leaves the wilderness, and I think when you look through the rest of the Gospels, he lives what I would say is a radical lifestyle of intimacy. And I have a few verses here that, that show this, okay? Um, I have a few that I just pulled out that are times when Jesus is praying, okay? They're verses about him praying, all right? And, and here's, as I was praying this morning, preparing for this, and I was reading through these verses again, I was getting wrecked thinking like, what if, like, when I'm gone, somebody writes about my life, 
will my prayer life be significant enough that they would mention it dozens of times? Yeah, like, probably not right now. If somebody wrote about my life, would they mention that I continually went to be alone with him? Not just like in my car because I'm going to be there for the next 10 minutes and I'm just doing it really quick. But like I climb a mountain to be with him. I spend the night to be with him. Here's these verses. Let me read them. The first one's in Matthew 14. It says, After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. The next one is Mark 1. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went away to a secluded place and was praying there. After bidding them farewell, this is the next one, Mark 6. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Luke 5, here's the next one. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. And then the last one here, Luke 6. But it was at this time when he got off the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Let me read a couple more verses here. They're in John, and I feel like they depict intimacy that Jesus has with the Father. Okay? John 10 says this. These are Jesus' words, all of these. These are his words. I and my Father are one. That's intimacy. Here's the next one, John 14. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The next one is John 14. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It's intimacy. The last one here, John 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So again, just to reiterate, Jesus begins his ministry with prayer and fasting, and it births just a radical lifestyle of intimacy, not with just the Father, but with the Father, and then it goes out to others, his disciples and everyone that he encounters. He encounters them with intimacy. <clears throat> So, what does intimacy produce? I felt like this part was really important because um, the Lord kept drawing me into this particular two verses, and so I'm going to share them today. What does intimacy produce? Here's what it produces. When Jesus leaves the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit, he goes to Galilee, okay? He returns to Galilee. Then he leaves there and goes to Nazareth. While he's in Nazareth, he goes to a synagogue on the Sabbath, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. He reads Isaiah 61, the first part of it, okay? Two verses here. I'm reading them out of Luke, but you can also read them in Isaiah 61. Here's what Jesus reads, starting with 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
I believe based on what the Lord is, is saying over us, that if we will enter into intimacy this year, he will make this two verses our reality here. I will say it maybe more plain. I believe that if we enter into intimacy, if we commit to a year of intimacy, we enter in through prayer and fasting, I believe that the kingdom of God will be proclaimed to the poor here. I believe that freedom for prisoners will happen here. Blind eyes will open. Deaf ears will open. Our reality will be the year of the Lord's favor. We won't have to talk about our prodigals because we can talk to them. They'll be back. We won't have to bash or, or, or um, complain about the next generation and how lazy they are because we'll be blessing them and sending them into the mission fields. We won't have to fear things like cancer because when people come in, God's going to heal things like that. That's what the year of the Lord's favor looks like. That's what Jesus came out in the power of the Spirit to do. That's why he died on the cross, is so that we could carry that same spirit in our lives today to do those same things. But we have to have intimacy. It requires intimacy. <clears throat> so the invitation for you today, the invitation that I have for you, is that in 2023, live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Um, I've been in some situations where we start the year off with fasts, and I think that that is wonderful. Do it. If you're going to start the year off with a fast, do it. But don't stop after three weeks. Live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting this year, this whole year. Commit to it. Find people who will hold you accountable. Find a group that you can pray with. Find prayer partners that you can pray with. Find people who will consistently, weekly fast with you. <clears throat> I have an example of this um, whole thing that I'm talking about here being played out in Mark 9. So I'm just going to kind of share through this what happens here. Um, and, I, and I'm sharing this as like, here is Jesus having entered in through prayer and fasting, living a lifestyle of intimacy. Here is what it looks like. Here is what it produces. Okay? Does that make sense? So, Mark 9, this is, I'm going to give you a little context before I read, but it's, the, it's Jesus on the mountain being transfigured. So Jesus is on the mountain. He's transfigured. He's there with Moses and Elijah. He speaks to them. Uh, Peter, James, and John are there, and they want to do their thing. Um, but here's, here's an interesting little tidbit for you. Um, yeah, I'll go here. It's a rabbit trail. I'll get back. Moses and Elijah, the two people that are on the mountain with Jesus when he's transfigured, the other two people in Scripture who do 40-day fasts are these two. They also both encountered God's presence. On Mount Horeb, Elijah, God tells him to like go to the mountain, stand on the mountain, because his presence is going to pass by him. Moses, like, it says multiple times in Scripture that he spoke to God face to face. God also covered him with his hand, and he passed by him. But Numbers 12, 8, um, God is correcting Miriam and Aaron because they're upset at Moses' wife. 
and, and God confronts them. And he tells them basically, like, he's like, I speak to prophets through dreams and visions. That's how I speak to them. But he's like, it's not that way with Moses. Okay? He says, when I speak to Moses, I speak to him face to face. And in this particular verse, Numbers 12, 8, the translation from Hebrew, God says, I speak to him mouth to mouth. I speak to him mouth to mouth. And then he goes on to say, he sees my form. Like, he sees the form of God. The word there, sees, is behold. He beholds the form of God. Like, he looks intently upon the beauty of the form of God. What a relationship. Those are the two people that Jesus is standing on the mountain with, having a conversation. Prayer and fasting is important. It's important. It leads us to a lifestyle of intimacy where we can encounter the presence of God. So, sorry the rabbit trail there. Um, Jesus is transfigured on the mountain. He comes off the mountain. There is a crowd of people. There are teachers of the law. There are his disciples. People are arguing. Jesus asks, like, what's going on? Why are we arguing? And a man tells him that he has a son who is demon-possessed, has a demon. And he brought him to the disciples, but the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of him. That's where we're at right now, okay? So I'm going to read verses 25 through 29 to you. Mark 9, 25 through 29. It says this. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. This is what Jesus said, okay? You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you to come out of him. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Here's his answer. Here's his answer. He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. I think Matthew has the other account of this story. Um, and the language that's used in that one is this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Um, I know it's not in the earliest manuscripts, but it is in some of the later manuscripts. This account says prayer. Matthew says prayer and fasting. Hmm. Here's what's interesting to me. Jesus tells him that it only comes out by prayer, but then he didn't pray to cast the demon out. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. We know how Jesus prays. He prays our Father who art in heaven. That's how he prays. He taught us how to do it. But he didn't do that here. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out and never enter him again. Here's what's beautiful about this. It's like class. It's like being in college again. You get the syllabus. You know what's going to happen. If you do your reading and do your studying, then when you show up to class, you can engage in a meaningful conversation. But if you wait till class, then you have to study in the moment. See, Jesus entered into his ministry by praying and fasting. He lived a lifestyle of intimacy with the Father. I already read some of the verses where he's constantly going out and praying. He's living the lifestyle. He's praying. He's connecting to the Father. He's connecting. He knows his heart. He knows his will. So then when something happens in the moment, he doesn't have to go, oh no, what would Jesus do? He doesn't because he knows his father's heart. He's already been praying. He's already been fasting. He just tells the demon to get out. 
See, I grew up understanding this is very reactive. I, I would wait till there was a mess and then I would pray. In, 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 in prayer, I would beg God. I would beg him. Like, I'd come very disempowered to God and beg him for his will and leave without things being answered. We're called to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting this year. It's a year of intimacy over North Bay. Do you guys understand what I'm saying about this? <clears throat> so, I'll kind of finish up here. This is going to um, require obedience from us. Okay, this is the last thing that I have here. Um, and the reason it's going to require obedience from us is when we enter into the Lord's presence, we're going to encounter him. And when we encounter him, he speaks. And we're either going to be obedient to his word or not. Okay? So this is what obedience is. In the Hebrew, there's one word for obedience, okay? And it's a very, it's a very well-known word. If you know anything about, like, um, Hebrew prayers, Jewish prayers, um, there's, like, a daily prayer called the Shema, okay? And it, and it is referring to this passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy 6, 4, that says, Hear, O Israel. Okay, the word hear is Shema. Hear is Shema. But it's also the word for obey. Okay? There's this understanding, there's this idea where it's like, we have to not just hear. Hearing isn't just sound waves. We have to be receptive. We have to let God's word penetrate us settle in us in our hearts and generate a response that's obedience and if you feel like I've lived this before if you feel like you've stopped hearing the word of the Lord like it's been a while since you've heard him you might ought to go back to the last thing that he told you because if you weren't obedient with it he might still be waiting obedience is important here obedience is important. If we are going to enter into a place of intimacy where he is at and encounter his presence, he's going to tell some of, some of us that we need to repent. Sometimes that isn't easy. Maybe he tells some of us that we need to forgive people that we don't want to forget, give, or love people that we don't want to love. If we're not willing to obey, none of this matters. <laughs> Period. It's going to require obedience. And sometimes God asks us to do hard things. Sometimes he asks us to do easy things. It's sometimes being in his presence is this like, uh, it's bliss. It's so, uh, it's good. And there are other times that I leave being like, I don't want to have that conversation. He's asked me to do hard things. He's asked me to repent for things that I never, never, ever wanted anybody in this world to know about that's obedience that's what encountering him in the secret place is like <clears throat> I have one last little thing for you to fill in here intimacy with the father births trust and trust allows us to be obedient I think the more time that we spend with him the more that we know his heart the more that we know his will when we know he's good it's easier to obey him um, I've done things that I didn't want to do, but I knew that he was good, and so I did it. Um, and it produces such beautiful fruit. It produces healing. 
So intimacy builds trust. <clears throat> I have one last little sentence here, Chris, and then we'll start with some communion stuff. Um, if we respond to him today, God, okay, and commit to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, commit to a year of intimacy, and respond to his voice with obedience, we are going to see heaven invade earth. We will see an open heaven over North Bay. We will see the year of the Lord's favor become the reality and the norm here in Birch Bay and in Whatcom County. Again, the invitation to you today, the word, the prophetic word that I have from the Lord for you for 2023 is live a lifestyle of prayer fasting. Let this be a year of intimacy for us, not just individually, but as a community. Are we good with that? Cool. So here's what we're going to kind of do here. We're going to take communion. And um, if you're on the team who's going to pass out communion, would you start that really quick? Um, after we take communion, they've asked that we pass stuff to the center, so I think they'll come down these two rows to collect empty, empty containers. Um, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read some scripture. We're going to take communion, and I'm going to ask you to take communion intimately this morning. So I'm going to ask that you group up in like three or five people. Even if you don't know people, like find a group, um, have someone in that group pray over you, pray over the communion, and I want you to take it as a group. Take it together. Somebody can say, this is the body that was broken for you. Take the body. Someone can say, this is the blood that was poured out for you. Take it. Take it. But take it as a group. Take it intimately. It's okay if it's awkward. It's okay if you don't know the people. Um, but it's going to be intimate, and it's going to be good. So, speaking of intimacy, Jesus asks us to do things that don't make sense. And this morning, this is the part of Scripture that I want to read over you in terms of communion, okay? This is in John 6, and Jesus speaks this to, like, religious leaders. He speaks this to Jews who have dietary customs, dietary restrictions, and they are not supposed to touch dead people or they'll become unclean. This is the group that he speaks this over, okay? It's in John 6, 53 through, I believe, 58. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father has sent me. And I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. In this year of fasting, I've done fasts. And when you come out, your, your taste is different. It kind of like resets your palate. This year of fasting, this year of intimacy, let's let it reset our palate to like what we're actually hungry for. And that's the bread of life. And that's living water. It's Jesus. Mm. So this morning, I invite you as you take communion, eat his flesh, drink his blood. <laughs> Like, reset your palate to something that will actually satisfy you, something that will actually give you life this year. Sound good? All right, it's on you. Take communion.